tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Money Clip Murder, Unknown Arsonist Update, Louisiana Burning, Epilepsy Pooches, and the Cowboy Bandit. co-host crystal and i'm your other co-host robert and this is reenacted again not a podcast about civil war reenacting well not yet anyway no uh i was at a civil war reenactment last weekend and when i mentioned the pod by name that was the go-to question of course so uh if anyone is listening from that weekend and you're disappointed this isn't a podcast about Civil War reenacting. Again, I explained to you at the time. So <laughs> I don't really see why you're confused at this point. <laughs> oh. um, Robbie, it sounds like you had a pretty eventful week at work. I have no idea what you're talking about, Crystal. <laughs> hey, man, don't, don't hang me out to dry. We talked about this. <laughs> yes, yes. Never mind that we just discussed this just before recording yes um i guess i might as well put a picture of it on the twitter (laughs) when this episode drops i was driving my work truck and it had started raining that day and it turned this one road into a particularly slick situation and it was threatening to sort of slide me off into a ditch i overcorrected And ended up going off the other side of the road, putting about a quarter of the front of the truck in the water and putting the one corner of the back of the truck hanging up in the air. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was feeling pretty, pretty half empty at that moment. And probably the thing I have most to be grateful for is that... My boss was too, probably too distracted mentally with the fact that it, I think his wife passed away the previous mm-hmm. week. So, rather than yelling at me when he arrived on scene, he just sort of walked around with this haunted and empty look mm. in his eyes. Actually, in a way, it kind of, I kind of at the time would have preferred he yelled at me because I just felt really bad, like... Yeah, he's already dealing with so much. Why does he, you know, to have this added onto his plate probably wasn't great. But on the other hand, sometimes when you suffer a loss, sometimes you need to, like, be distracted by any and everything. Mm-hmm. So what ended up happening with the truck? Oh, uh, a tow service managed to and get it, it out. And is it totally wrecked, or what's going on with it? No, I mean, there. well, there's no physical damage to it, like... Um, I, I would think that there might be some issues with the water, but the important thing was like, it wasn't, I did not try, once it was in the water, I did not try to restart it, which is kind of key. Uh, cause if, if you, if you get like, uh, this is a little tip I learned from my previous job where like, if you, if you're driving a car and you get in the water type situation, mm-hmm. Uh, 
don't and, and once it's out of the water don't immediately try to restart it because that's going to be likely what actually sends the water into the engine and mm-hmm. stuff just just uh take it to whoever's gonna work that's on. an important tip and and you were okay oh yeah i'm fine you sent that picture to me presented with no comment and i had about 15 <laughs> heart attacks so thank you oh god i'm sorry yeah i looked like you had really wrecked your shit um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, presumably, if I'm taking the picture, I'm not t- in too bad of physical shape, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I assumed you were yeah. breathing, at least. Um, that reminds me of the uh, last wedding that I attended. Um, it was at it was at a farm, a beautiful farm in Northern California, and it was a situation where. The uh, groom's parents owned the farm, so we had the reception and stuff, and then a lot of us were camping um, okay. overnight because we are kind of in a rural area and people were drinking, so that was the wise decision. Yeah. Well, um, I think we went to bed at, like, I don't know, midnight. It was pretty late, and we heard next to our tents two guys talking about uh, and revving a car, I didn't get out of the tent to go look. Well, the next morning, um, uh, very close to our tent and into a ditch similarly, uh, <laughs> was like a very nice Mustang that had gone nose first into a ditch. And um, I just got to say, you know, it's a good wedding when people are crashing their cars into a ditch. <laughs> I guess Probably the best of weddings. That's right? a pretty wild thing to wake up to <laughs> the next day. <laughs> I guess the I guess the guy actually, when he had shown up to the reception, uh, his brakes gave out. He wasn't able to uh, stop in time, and the car just kind of slowly rolled into the ditch. So a Dothraki wedding without that's without right. at least three cars in a ditch is a very dull. Affair. That's right. Um, anyway, he was fine yeah. too. Uh, well, that that's good. Um, hey, speaking of, uh, weddings, weddings, let's see if I can do this. Weddings, cars, 1970s. Do you want to talk about an episode of Unsolved Mysteries? <laughs> Robbie, listen, I did my best to pay attention to the segment. I should have been taking notes. I did not. It is complicated. It is, and this actually brings up something I was going to ask you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we got the ca- this case here. It uh, takes us to 1977 in Arizona. Yeah, Tucson, a- I think. Tu- right? Tucson, yes. Yeah. Oh, should we a- say which episode Unsolved Mysteries this is? Yeah, uh, season <laughs> three, episode... Nine. Nine? Episode nine. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay, sorry, please continue. Tucson, 1970s. Uh, involves the murder of a man named Charles Morgan. Now, here's the thing. At the end of this segment, they interview a guy named uh, Don Devereaux, who's mm-hmm. an investigative journalist, and we find out that, like, an individual was murdered because they believed that it may- possibly because the killer thought that this individual was Don Devereaux who was looking into this case. Mm-hmm. I need to ask you this, Crystal, mm-hmm. and maybe those rumpers at home can fill in the blank if neither of us can come up with an answer. 
Have we covered not this exact segment before, but is this a companion piece to another segment? One that was centered on the other individual um, who was killed, uh, uh, Johnson, Doug Johnston. Doug Johnston. Was what was that involving? Okay. What were the details? I have this distinct memory uh-huh. of watching an unsolved mystery segment where they're talking with a. Uh, where they cover the it's it's not about this guy Charles Morgan at all except maybe they mm-hmm. may have mentioned him and uh, but the the segment starts out with Doug Johnston being murdered and they're trying to figure uh-huh. out like oh you know he was murdered and what was the thing and they're they're t- they talk with Don De- Devereaux and uh-huh. they sort of piece together like this poor individual was murdered just because he happened to be driving the exact same car as Don Devereaux and worked across the street from him. Right. Uh, and I have I have a distinct memory of watching this. Oh. Oh, you mean about the about the guy that was murdered? Yeah. In instead of Don Devereaux, about that man's murder. Yeah. I maybe. Do, do you remember us watching this for 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 the for the podcast? Did we do... I don't... You don't think so? I don't know. No, I don't think so. Okay, then probably the next likely possibility is that mm-hmm. maybe, like, this was... Uh, that was a segment on one of my Bizarre Murders uh, um, collection of Unsolved Mysteries DVDs. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, because th- that would have been out of order, right? Yeah, well, though, the thing is, is at first, while that would seem to be something that would preclude that from happening, we do know that mm-hmm. some of these segments, uh, because of the Amazon editing order or something, because we aren't mm-hmm. able to see certain segments because of some sort of statute of limitation, something legal related, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so some of the episodes, because some of the episodes we watched in season one had like updates on stuff that we didn't even, hadn't even seen yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was thinking maybe, maybe the the companion follow up piece to this got put earlier in the the Amazon queue order, but I guess mm. if you don't remember. Seen this? I don't, you don't. You don't no, have any I'm sense sorry. of deja. Okay, so. Well, I'm. I. You know, but Robbie, my my brain is just rotting cardboard <laughs> at this point. So it's. I. It, we could have recorded that yesterday. I wouldn't remember. Okay. Well, if so, maybe maybe somebody can jump in if they remember us talking about that. But I don't have any recollection. Yes. Of that. If you're listening, um, perhaps even yeah. you can solve. Perhaps you can solve. <laughs> This mystery as to whether or not we recorded uh, a segment about that already. Hey, uh, Robbie. So you want, so maybe we should get to the actual segment. Correct. <laughs> In this case, the segment uh, concerning Charles Morgan, a man who uh, was ex- found success with the real estate business. Unfortunately, that may have put him on a collision course with organized crime, who apparently in the 1970s were using Arizona as a place to launder large amounts of money. Yeah, I was like, yeah, right. I would have heard about it, but um, (laughs) 
I was like, oh, Unsolved Mysteries is making stuff up, but it actually sounds like there was a, uh, there was something with, to do with the l- purchasing land laws in Arizona. Right, you could purchase them using a trust that had no name on it, just a, a mm-hmm. number, which sounds like it would right. be conducive towards all sorts of show games. Yeah, yeah. So this this was very uh, shocking information. Why? I thought. Did you have, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about this until this segment. Have you lived in Arizona before? Or? Yeah, I have. I ever told you that? Okay, so you lived on an island in Washington. I know you lived in yeah, Reno I mean, for a little bit. You've lived uh, not not in not in that in order. California, but, when, but mm-hmm, I, I mm-hmm, Arizona mm-hmm. doesn't sound familiar. I when I was a little baby. Went right like two weeks after I was born, my parents moved from Incline Village, Nevada, to Lake Havasu, Arizona. Wow! And so that's where my my dad went to high school in Arizona. Um, I still have family in Tucson, actually. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so I, I have family in Arizona, but I I only lived there I don't know maybe like for a year, from like the age of zero <laughs> to one year old. So I have no recollection of living in Arizona, but I did for a short period of time. But, but yeah, but with family there, I guess, and family connections, you would have, uh, I can see why you seemed so incredulous about all this going yeah, on. Yeah, I, well, what's more that, like, I think, I think I'm up on, like, organized crime developments, and I didn't know anything <laughs> about this. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Um, but, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, slowly... Piece by piece, our listeners get to have all all of our life details filled in for yeah, them. Yeah, well, and eventually they'll be able to uh, open a bank account in my name with all this information. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just won't give them the name of my elementary school <laughs> <laughs> or my mother's maiden name or my the name of my first pet. And we should be okay. okay. Uh, yeah. Yes. So Chuck apparently got wrapped up in this in some capacity. Um, and very quickly we get a reenactment because apparent at some point he disappeared and reappeared. That's right. Three days later. Mm-hmm. And I have to say the reenactment where his car pulls up and he gets out of the car mm-hmm. and stumbles into the house. Mm-hmm. I, I got a great deal of amusement out of this. It, it reminded me of, um, have you ever seen the informant starring Matt Damon? Uh-huh. Remember that part where he fakes being kidnapped, and so like he you know he drives around and he drives up into the the driveway and he like stumbles out and you know really over exaggerated mm-hmm. over exaggerated manner comes in the yeah. house. This is what this kind of felt like. I'm not I'm not trying to to really come down hard on the reenactor. I mean you you kind of have to do what you have to do, but I'm I mean watching his body movement. At first, I thought it was he was trying to replicate having been shot or stabbed. Uh-huh. Uh, but apparently, no, this is the sort of uh, movement you make when one of your hands is tied up with a plastic ha- handcuff and you've mm-hmm. been given some sort of hallucinogenic who, that prevents you from speaking. Yeah, <laughs> none of this adds up. I mean, honestly, at first when watching this segment, I was beginning to wonder whether this was a case where, like, the show may have said he was m- murdered, but did he fake his mm-hmm. own death? But but he was murdered. We have an actual body and stuff. But Yeah, I was also thinking this whole 
my my initial reaction to this this first part of the reenactment where he comes stumbling in and like he can't speak and his hands are tied but yet somehow he drove his car <laughs> right right and then he writes a note to his wife because he can still write yeah okay again a hallucinogenic drug unspecified which whatever and his handwriting is pretty clear too yeah he writes a note to his wife and he's he's urgently telling in the note his wife to move his car so whoever it is doesn't know that he's now home yes so he's like move the car and i'm and i'm like this is this is like really coherent thinking Mm -hmm. for someone who is on a hallucinogenic drug right right a hallucinogenic drug that prevents him from speaking or eating or drinking or anything on his own for what three days a week? How long was this? Uh, he, yeah, he, he it took a few several days for him to recover. Yeah, and what, I, what's, I'm so confused. And plus, as to what he possibly could have been given. Right, and then here's the other thing: like, uh-huh. if if we're going with a potentially like he wasn't given any drug, he was just maybe acting like he was because he was Mm -hmm. telling her like this was like a drug that could potentially affect him uh all his life without treatment but he doesn't go to the hospital because he doesn't want them to he he doesn't want the criminal people to to think he told the law enforcement but yeah there's he's very adamant about not being treated but the thing is is like and along with the car like moving the car because he didn't want them to know he'd come home we're where did he think that he would? Where did he think they would think he went? I mean, did he I, escape? Yeah. Is he is he saying that he escaped? I mean, I assume that this was more like they roughed him up for three days and let him go. Why wouldn't he go back home? I, I yeah. So I can understand why you're a bit confused <laughs> by this. Initial yeah, I well, I'm trying to figure out what on earth he possibly could have been given where he was able to safely drive home. And write a note. And not only write a note, speak. but write it with, yeah. like, you notice that he's holding the pad up above himself and writing on the pad, which is, like, yeah. if I tried to write a note like that, the hand I've been told my handwriting already is highly atrocious. So if yeah. I tried to well, do that, it would be, it would, I'd produce stuff that was unreadable. Let me introduce Exhibit B. <laughs> okay. So I have heard... That when you were on hallucinogenic drugs, mm-hmm. and this checks out, most of the time when you're on the, you know, on the LSD, the acid, or 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 the magic mushrooms, okay. I, I don't know what else would cause somebody to hallucinate, maybe DMT or something like that, but your pupils get so dilated that you're not really able to read or drive or write because you can't focus your eyes. Oh wow. Because your your pupils are so blown out. So again, I'm I don't I'm I'm like immediately in this beginning of the segment I'm like okay, fake news. Like I thought maybe the wife was making up. Yeah. All this stuff and you know, maybe it was cover for some like you were saying like he faked his death and this is all for the insurance money and now it's cover to like he's really mm-hmm. hiding somewhere else or you know? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. What I was that, that's what I was just that's what Sort of the sort of things my mind was leading to. But the segment gets crazier. Right. He eventually recovers. He starts resuming his, his 
everyday activities, going to work. Uh, but like on a much more re, uh, um, a much more cautious thing, he's wearing a bulletproof vest all the time. He's dropping his mm-hmm. daughters off off at school and picking them up and and telling the school not to allow anyone else to pick them up so i guess there's not not going to be any sort of ferris bueller day off situations yeah uh (laughs) so that's the way it is in their family (laughs) and then he disappeared again because there was a phone call received yes uh from a woman who she she told chuck's wife that chuck was fine or, or at least alive and then gave her a bible verse mm-hmm. which i feel is always the sort of you know maddeningly like unuseful clue you can always leave because it's always like mm-hmm. they give some verse and it's always something like well it was some it was you know remember the silver cord and a golden bowl was crushed and dust returned to the earth and it's just uh, okay so is, is chuck kidnapped or alive or yeah it's it's definitely as bible clues go very ambiguous yeah. okay so then they find his body in the desert yes and it had a two dollar bill clipped inside his underwear yep and written on the bill along with uh ecclesiastes Ecclesiastics. 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 (laughs) Along with that being written on the bill, there were seven Spanish names in alphabetical order going from A to G uh, listed as well. Yeah. And then there's a map on the back of it. And and a map. And and so obviously all useful information to I don't know figure out where the treasure map to the constitution of the United States is yeah this is definitely a national we gotta get Nick Cage in on this well Nick Cage will be in on this (laughs) he's already in on it man yeah yeah, especially if the Arizona uh, state legislature changes their laws to give tax breaks to movie movie productions like nevada did were you around when that happened no you weren't you weren't is that a you thing? weren't around when nicholas cage visited the nevada state legislature what <laughs> <laughs> okay this must have been after you graduated and, and moved to california yes uh, at some point in uh not this lap in a, a previous legislative session Nicholas Cage was amongst a delegation of people who came to the Nevada State Legislature to explain to them why it would be such a good idea to give tax breaks to movie and television productions that came to Nevada. Uh-huh. And I, I, I guess they voted for it, too. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I guess, you know, Arizona, you, if you want to compete, you gotta, you gotta do the same thing. Gotta, get, gotta give those tax breaks. Yes. So, what were we talking about? Uh, the, the the what the national treasure. National it's a national treasure, treasure yeah. situation on yeah. the back of this two dollar bill. Yes. Not only is this exceedingly unhelpful, but I think I vaguely remember at some point Chuck had mentioned someone mentioned that Chuck had told someone 
that he had this letter with all the details about everything that was going on so that if anything happened to him, people would know, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, naturally, after he was killed, no one could find this letter. So no. it may not have even existed. This is just like, to me, this is just a pattern. Part, sort of, It sort of fits the pattern of numerous people in previous Unsolved Mysteries segments who know they're in trouble to the point where they could be murdered and come close to telling people what the reason is and therefore if they are the killers could be apprehended Mm -hmm. but who at the last moment don't actually give the useful information no yeah so this This is is, this is very similar of that uh the one uh from some town in new york yes these people's father was murdered in their home mm-hmm. the guy with the dirty bathtub yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i feel so sad because of unsolved mysteries segment like i can understand why you were so incredulous about why de- why depict his his home like that because yeah well the the production team had a lot of choices to make and that was a weird choice yeah yeah like now unfortunately we will only ever refer to that guy as the guy with the dirty yeah. bathtub <laughs> I you know I swear to God if I get murdered or something and and people reenact my situation mm-hmm. I'm gonna haunt your ass if you give me a dirty bathtub like that. <laughs> you know my bathtub does not look like that. Who will play you in the reenactment? Um. Well, let's see. I think if Elizabeth Moss is available, that would be a good choice. Elizabeth Moss. Okay. Yeah, she was. Uh, she's the gal in The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, the the main the main character. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I think um like if I lost a bunch of weight, I would probably look a lot like her. So the segment, there's something to do with a woman with green eyes visits Chuck before his death. I was I don't understand what this is. She yeah, like the law enforcement gets contact by her. She claims to be the same person who gave the Bible verse, right? Apparently, yeah, and she's only referred to as like the green-eyed woman or something. Yeah, and she goes by. She gives her. I think she gives herself that nickname as a co uh-huh. or something. And she's she says that, uh, however it was that she knew Chuck. We I don't think we really find out that she came over to a motel room that he was in right before he was murdered, and he had a briefcase full mm-hmm. of money because apparently because I mean he claimed that he was working for the Treasury Department. To, to bust mm-hmm. these people, I'm assuming mm-hmm. he wasn't so much working, uh, working for them as just cooperating in conjunction with them. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, and apparently the organized crime people had put a hit out on him, and mm-hmm. he had offered to pay sixty thousand dollars to the hitman to not mm-hmm. kill him, mm-hmm. uh, which the hitman was was quick to accept, but. Uh, unfortunately, apparently, when Chuck arrived out at the scene, presumably the hitman took the money but killed him anyway. Yeah, well, that's Don Don Devereaux, the investigative journalist. That's his running right opinion. His, his his theory. Yeah. Yeah. The official police version was that Chuck had killed himself by shooting himself in the back of the head with his own gun. With his own I, gun. I don't own a handgun. I can't replicate this situation, but that seems like a very weird and difficult place to commit suicide by shooting yourself in the back of the head. 
I feel like we've had a number of segments now where the police have been clicked quick to conclude that suicides have happened with like the person committing suicide choosing the most bizarre angles Mm -hmm. and ways to shoot Mm -hmm. themselves in the head yeah i think this is the second or third time we've had a segment where the police just basically uh wash their hands of it and say say it was suicide Mm -hmm. so um so don Devereaux. Yeah, he was the guy that we were talking about when we first started talking about the segment. Yes. Uh, as an addendum, I think this must have been added later. Mm-hmm. So this is not a part of the original episode, but it isn't quite an update. Yeah. Uh, a a man who worked across the shopping center or the street from Don Devereaux's office, who drove a car very similar to Don Devereaux was and and I don't I'm sorry, what was this man's name? Something Johnson. Uh, D- Doug Johnston. Doug Johnston was murdered um, and the police and I think Don Devereaux believe that it was a hit intended for Don. Yep. So this is like another layer of the story and and then Robbie, we don't, there's no sort of update. No, no. This- it just, Robert Stack leaves us hanging with like, we're going to keep, keep up on this. Yeah. We don't have anything. So it's a real cliffhanger. Well, yeah, like well, and that when his his intro, uh, the outro is is Stack saying, "We will we'll be giving you." Actually, he says something like, "Doesn't he say something like we've gotten some more information that we'll be telling you mm-hmm. later on?" Mm-hmm. That's probably the segment that I saw, that the it, one it that was be. like because it was so because it was centered around Don Devereaux and Doug Johnston and mm-hmm. Chuck Morgan was more of just tangentially that was where Don Devereaux had started digging in and it was more I think this segment I think the segment was like it was called it was one of those segments called the investigators remember how we've had one or two of those mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it was one of those because it was it was all about like he, was, he had been digging into this stuff and government people were telling him the, to knock it off or warning him that he was in danger mm-hmm. um yeah, this this is interesting. I mean, we've we've gotten this is like a prequel or a sequel or both to that segment. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's definitely one. I think one of the more interesting unexplained death segments that we've yeah. seen in a long time. Yeah, it's it, there's just a lot of weird little elements to it that don't really add up to anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still hung up on on uh, Chuck coming home with whatever hallucinogen and not and his like the reenactment of his his uh wife feeding him water with an eyedropper i'm like is this he couldn't drink from a straw what's what's going on here it's just it's all of it's so weird he can drive home and write uh, yeah but he can't drink out of a straw no he cannot he has no suction power left in his mouth yeah i what what really one of the things that stuck out to me was they mentioned you know it's been 11 years or something since he was murdered mm-hmm. and they 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 then cut to show the wife's like reading out of the bible mm-hmm. and, and it was just like it was presented in such a way where you'd almost think that she's spent every waking moment just reading that one particular passage over and over mm-hmm. again well Wh- wouldn't you yeah yeah i i would i mean it's it's probably an act of futility but <laughs> uh i would 
What would be what would be what sort of codes could we use to like if we were kidnapped and one of us was trying to get a message to the other? Like Oh, that's that's easy. Okay. Um Star Star Trek the Next Generation episode timestamps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I agree. I'm glad that we we are on the same wavelength. <laughs> You know, just refer to whatever you know, timestamp in uh, Inner Light or <laughs> Data's Day that has the clue that that we need to uh, transmit to the other one. Um, do we st- do we still have our uh, our mutual pact of uh, whoever dies first, the other person has to destroy the other one's cell phone. Uh, not not because of any sort of lewd material, but just because of all the Star Trek shit. <laughs> be embarrassing after we die. So I just want to make sure, like, Dave, Dave's not going to be aghast if I, like, just show up and, like, no, grab that underst- phone and just start he smashing it. He'll, 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 no, he I'll have clearance on that. He's not going to be like, yeah. what are you doing? No, no, okay. you'll have clearance. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Star Trek... Get a start. You're gonna you're gonna be going to something I am. Star Trek related uh, here next next, next weekend. weekend. I will be at uh, at the big convention in Las Vegas. Like a it's like it's fucking nerd prom. <laughs> I will be there. <laughs> oh, hanging out with all sorts of people. It, all I, all the all the folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be there. I, I'm I'm anticipating it'll feel like I finally found my tribe. That might be too of a high expectation to set for it, but I really feel confident that uh, I will have arrived. Right. Well, with my people. Yeah. I. Well, I'm. I'm glad that you're going to experience that sort of exodus uh, type level of uh, connection. Mm-hmm. I, I was looking at the guest list. It's pretty extensive. Mm-hmm. They got most mm-hmm. of the heavy hitters. Yeah, I'm sure there's some folks because that new Picard show is coming out i'm sure patrick stewart or show up i know he was at uh, comic-con uh weekend before last yeah so i'm sure he's doing the circuit right now to promote the show i I would be shocked if he didn't show up even though he might not even be on the schedule anyway this is your uh star trek podcast yes oh Uh, because there's not enough of those no there there aren't you know what there aren't there should probably be some more unsolved mysteries podcasts too i think we're only at uh, there's only like five or six that i know about uh, I'd say that's probably a pretty good number. Uh, I've, I've noticed there, you know, it's funny. I was talking with the host of another Unsolved Mysteries podcast about doing mm-hmm. some sort of big crossover where everyone mm-hmm. from all the podcasts are talking. <laughs> that and, sounds like a mess. Yeah. They, they were like, <laughs> they were like, yeah, we tried to, we, we were contemplating something like it, but it was almost feasible. But then two or three three more jumped in the boat and it's just not like practical to have the host of yeah. six or seven different podcasts yeah i here there's too many podcasts and i would like to say that i feel like i anticipated this happening when they released all the uh robert stack seasons on amazon prime mm-hmm. because i don't know that they existed in completion anywhere else before that right so unless you own the dvds which you do yeah i don't i don't know that 
you know, and that, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to start this one is because it was something that other people could, if they so chose, could follow along with because it was readily accessible. Ah, that makes sense. As opposed to, you know, you and I just talking about DVDs that uh, no one can see, which brings me to my next point, which is when are we going to start that news radio podcast? Oh, was that a thing? No. The, you know, <laughs> but it could be. I don't know. <laughs> well, the, well, the problem is, is we. I think that market, like, if you, uh, what's the, what, what's their name? Fort W N Y X. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think. I mean, they're already well on on their way. Like. Yeah, on, on I feel like I feel like that's got to be even more niche. Yeah. Way more niche. I mean, I, mean like, I, uh, I love news radio podcast. a lot. Did yeah. Did you see yeah. that Dave Foley interacted with me on? He did. Yeah, yeah, that was so exciting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he did, he was he yelling at you saying that he he just yeah well yeah like he wanted to make apps his his no no in capital letters mm-hmm. exclamation mark was mostly meant to inf- make sure that he he was trying to make sure that I knew for an absolute certainty that he was not mm-hmm. a moon landing truther. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he seemed very adamant that he wanted to get that uh, across. Yeah. Hey, you know what else happened in the 1960s besides the moon landing? Be- before we go to the 1960s, I, I just want to mention the update they did for the videotape the videotape arsonist. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we were going to talk about that, but let's talk about it. I mean, yeah, there's not really much to talk about on the tape. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this segment, but yeah, if you remember the person who recorded their handiwork and burning down a house, yeah. Uh, the only thing I wanted to mention was that they mm-hmm. they said that I don't know if you heard it. They said that like when they aired this segment, they got sixteen thousand calls, <laughs> which sounds like a lot. I feel like it was anyone who had a house that had burned down in their neighborhood <laughs> ever. <laughs> But how house the... burned down down the street? That that's got to be it. And it's funny because when they talk with the person who did correctly identify that the house on their street had burned down, mm-hmm. if you notice, first of all, he kind of looks like who was who's the labor secretary for Bill Clinton, Ro- Robert Reich, Richard Reich, Robert yeah. Reich, yeah, sure, kind of looks vaguely like him. But also, this guy looked so immensely pleased to be on Unsolved Mysteries. You know that he was, though. Oh, he totally was. Well, out of all those 16,000 calls, his is the one that panned out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just wanted to I just wanted to mention that little factoid before we go on to a more depressing topic. Okay. Uh, so, you know what else happened in the 1960s? <laughs> civil rights movement the civil rights movement and uh the the segment the next segment after the uh arson update is another unexplained death yes this takes us to louisiana in mm-hmm. the town of washington parish sure well washington they have parishes not counties in louisiana so it's oh like I, I was county. gonna yeah i was gonna ask about that because my first instinct was that like parish is like some sort of uh administrative unit but mm-hmm, when i was looking is. stuff up on the wiki i just see washington parish louisiana so i mm-hmm. i guess maybe they're just putting it down as you know the equivalent of county or anyway well so, it's because they because it involves the sheriff sh- so uh, instead of saying the county sheriff they're saying like washington parish sheriff 
How does, does that make sense? Yeah. How does jurisdiction work when you're dealing with like both county and city law enforcement? Like Reno has the city of Reno has its own police, but then there's a mm-hmm. Washoe County Sheriff. Mm-hmm. Do, do the Washoe County sheriffs just only do stuff outside of the city limits? That's right. Yeah. But then sometimes I see like, but sometimes they have to like serve papers in mm-hmm. in the city of Reno too, so mm-hmm. that I don't know. Anyway, uh, this this I didn't mean to turn this into a municipal podcast, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, we go to was it nineteen the ni- mid nineteen sixties. The the uh, Washington Parish Sheriff's Office hires two. African American deputies uh, mm-hmm. after being pressured to, mm-hmm. and their names were O'Neill Moore and Creed Rogers, mm-hmm. and it was very interesting, like hearing about because you know they're they're brought on and did you catch like there's something about how like they really weren't allowed to like admit do it administer law to white people did you did you hear Uh, that i mean i mean like i guess because like listening to the 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 entire description mm -hmm. it kind of sounded like (laughs) with the curtailments that they had they were basically you know they were law enforcement officers allowed to drive around in a car uh and just I I don't know like it it kind of it kind of sounded like there's this weird ambiguous sort of layer of what they what was going on with like what they are allowed to do and stuff mm-hmm. and it kind of I mean it just reminded me of uh if you've seen the movie in the heat of the night mm-hmm. no I I feel like the heat in the heat of the night is maybe based on this case it might be yeah yeah yeah. It, it, there's there's a lot of similarities and just sort of like, I mean, if you watch that film, there's like tonally, it, it just, I mean, it, it, it's so strange to think about it because this is still like in deep, deep legal segregation era, mm-hmm. deep South. And mm-hmm. like, I can only imagine how, to me, it would just seem like nerve wracking beyond belief to be like the first african-american deputies in this this county rather Mm -hmm. rather this parish like Mm -hmm. oh my god i can't even imagine and obviously unfortunately because this is a wanted uh segment uh you know unexplained death unexplained it's unexplained death yeah oh okay because they don't know who they're looking for spoiler oh i yeah sorry i i I guess i wasn't paying attention this time (laughs) that's okay yeah (laughs) Uh, but yeah, so these two deputies, they were out on patrol. Uh, yeah, and and the reenactment, it's they have uh, they're driving around. And they see this fire. Right. Well, it, in well, this right, field. Well, before the fire, they, they're they're being tailgated by this truck. Uh, mm-hmm. That it, it, you know, in a very menacing manner. Yeah, and there's no license plate yet. There is a uh, Confederate flag. Plate on the front, light. yes. Uh, and I can I can I just say something? Yeah. I, this is an apolitical podcast, but I'm I feel like the thing that I'm about to say should not be uh, up for debate at this point in time, 
or a matter of politics. It used to be, and specifically I think why they made this choice in Unsolved Mysteries, a show that was made in the 1990s, it used to be, if you saw a Confederate flag, you were going to be dealing with some racist white people. Yeah. That was the, it was like, that's the sign, mm-hmm. right? In the same way that, um, you know, a white hood is the sign of the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Unmistakable. When you, when you saw in media or wherever in the 1990s, in the 1980s, as long as I have been alive, a Confederate flag was an indication that, you, that, first of all, the bearer of the flag was white. And the second part of that is they were making a very loud statement as to what their positions on were of people of other races. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with the Civil War. <laughs> it had nothing to do with history. It was a, a political statement, not political, but a statement of their stance on what they believed. Yes. A- am I out of line in saying that? I'm not going to argue that. Okay, and I think that's why they made this choice in the reenactment to indicate. Oh yeah, it's, it's the it's, danger it's, imposed it's by a, this. Oh truck. yeah, totally. It's 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 a quick shorthand. You you know that this truck just Absolutely. isn't someone who's just has poor uh, courtesy on the road. Right. Like the fact that they are driving uh, tailgating this this cop car mm-hmm. is is like th- this segment. I mean, it just it, it conveys quite a bit of menace. Yes, yes, and there and there was an editorial choice made, because again we don't really know what happened. There was an editorial choice made by the by the production people, because it is that flag is shorthand for a a, a, a white person with a certain set of beliefs. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I just want to be very clear about that. Right, right. Okay, moving on. Uh, and so the, the, the truck either backs off or, or stops following them. And then they come across this fire out in the field and they, they mm-hmm. stop to take a look at it. Yeah. And then this is a very interesting thing. They, they conclude it's just a trash fire or, and that they should just move, uh, uh, move on. Mm-hmm. People in Louisiana listening to this podcast, are, are trash fires permitted in your state? Is that like a thing? I know that if I try yeah, to burn, please, please let us know. If if I get a burn permit here in Dayton, Nevada, it explicitly says I am not allowed to burn trash. I think Robbie, it might, uh, and in the '60s, I think it might have been a thing. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I think I think Louisiana is a little less prone to wildfire, right? The way and air quality issues, the way that Nevada and California and most are. western states yeah. are. Yeah. yeah. Plus, like you say, laws change. Uh, yeah. As is evident by the subject matter of this <laughs> segment um yeah so they 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 move they continue driving down the road and then the truck catches up with them and a number of people in the back of the pickup truck just mm-hmm. unleash a torrent of gunshots at uh, mm-hmm. at them mm-hmm. uh this they they go off the road crash into a tree uh unfortunately deputy moore is killed and mm-hmm. Deputy 
Rogers, he suffers a, like an eye injury in one of his eyes, if I recall correctly. Mm-hmm. But he he survives because he's interviewed in this yeah. in this segment. And some uh, some very conscientious citizen immediately rushes to their aid with a shotgun and guards their their car until the rest uh, law enforcement arrives. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they have a reenactment where I, I guess the sheriff is listening to more re- uh, explain you know give details on who it was that attacked them Mm -hmm. and apparently in the neighboring jurisdiction they pulled over a black truck Mm -hmm. arrested the driver and whoever was in it but uh, but they were later released on a $25,000 bond and then Mm -hmm. the case was dismissed because of lack of evidence Mm -hmm. and then and we get uh, one of the white deputies, uh, because I, I guess the the, the uh, as uh, one of, what Deputy Moore's widow mentions that uh, you know this was obviously done to try to like keep black people from being part of the sheriff's department, but mm-hmm. if that was the goal, it failed because the sheriff uh, immediately hired. Uh, the replacement uh, deputy was going to be uh, another African-American deputy. And apparently the member of the police department of the sheriff's office that was tasked with hiring, mm-hmm. uh, what, like someone shot a, shot through the window of his, his uh, home as well. Mm-hmm. And we are, That's right. we are treated with an interesting reenactment because apparently he, he leaves his pistol on the kitchen table so mm-hmm. as soon as like the the shots are going through his window he is grabbing it and running out and shooting after the retreating vehicle mm-hmm. uh in a ma- manner that is almost re- reminiscent of like in raising arizona when they go chase when they like are running after the the vehicle shooting at it mm-hmm. uh just like I mean, it was like, wow, he is, I mean, he's just unloading and running after this vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's moving in those khakis. Yeah. Yeah, totally. he went after him. Yeah. Um, did you uh, happen to see uh, season three of True Detective, by any chance? I will be honest with you. I do not think I have watched a single episode of True Detective. That's fine. Um, but for those who have, the the sheriff who is now an older older man, mm-hmm. the white sheriff dude, uh, he is, if you have seen season three of True Detective, he's very reminiscent of when they put Stephen Dorff in all the old guy makeup. <laughs> and uh, so he's giving me like old guy Stephen Dorff vibes. Steve, <laughs> old man Stephen Dorff finds. Yeah, feet, yeah. Anyway, yeah, but uh, vibes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, you know, in an interesting bit, uh, I I picked up. So we have this sheriff who is not not only has he um, uh, was the first to presumably hire black deputies and then re then again hire another black deputy. Yeah, and has been. Uh, now him and himself, his family have been under threat for mm-hmm. having done this. He he refers very early in the segment to the blacks, <laughs> and I don't I don't know about you, Robbie, but anytime I hear somebody say like 
instead of saying like black people or like Hispanic people, whenever I hear that particular the yeah phrase, using the de- the, the, the and definitive then the plural article. of whatever yeah. yeah the plural of whatever it kind of makes me cringe a little bit I'm like yeah, oh totally. no but it's 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 an interesting like uh, interesting sort of in between that this sheriff right well I'm- is. It's complicated, right? Right. Well, yeah. Well, well, that's the thing. One of my uh, one of my favorite movies regarding the topic of race. Uh, there was this yeah. film called The Intruder. It was mm-hmm. directed by Roger Corman, and yes, that Roger Corman, the guy who makes like twelve movies a year on a budget of like five thousand dollars each. Mm. Uh, you, you, you know Roger Corman, right? Sure. Battle Beyond the Stars? No, I, but I was just yes-anding you. Okay, yeah, I, that's what I thought. Man, he makes, yeah, he makes, like, a lot of cheap schlock films, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, cheap horror films. He, he uh, and, you know, he just, like, he makes his profit because he spends so little money on them that mm-hmm. <laughs> even limited uh, sales uh, produce money. Mm-hmm. But... It's funny, like, he actually made, the in the 60s, he made this very sophisticated movie about race called The Intruder. Mm-hmm. It takes place in somewhere in, like, Missouri, and the school district's just been desegregated by a judicial order. Mm-hmm. And this guy comes into town, played by William Shatner. Okay. Who is, like, he, he's a member of the, God, what was it? Patrick Henry Society. Okay. And he he's like this um, sort of if if you know sort of politically he's this like entrepreneurial entrepreneur of race racial politics like he's basically mm. there to like just get the whole town against the desegregation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know he's kind of like a demagogue type character. And um, what I like, what I like about this film, and actually something that I like, wait, why I like, like, like it way more than *To Kill a Mockingbird*, because mm-hmm. in *To Kill a Mockingbird*, they, the depiction of Atticus Finch is of this like character who is totally untouched by racism, like this, mm-hmm. like he's a guy who like you would think grew up in this like sphere completely mm-hmm. unaffected by what's uh, what's around him mm-hmm. in the intruder the 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 hero character is this guy who starts out the film as a and i i know it's kind of a strange a strange term to use something like moderate racist but that's that's what he is like he he's not happy yeah. about the school desegregation but he's not particularly like you know, uh, doesn't have like as deep a hatred and uh, intensity of feelings about it. Mm-hmm. And what happens is like one night, William Shatner gets this mob riled up and they attack the uh, this black family who's driving through town, mm-hmm. and it shocks the protagonist character, uh, the main character, so badly that he comes home and he like literally just sort of like he asks himself like you know what what the hell is it that i believe sort of thing and sort of works mm-hmm. out that like he actually does support the school desegregation thing and mm-hmm. and so forth but it's it's a very sophisticated film coming from the most unlikely of directors po- uh, 
one would imagine. Uh, so, and it's called The Intruder? The Intruder. Yeah. It, okay. Easily found on YouTube. <laughs> oh, great. I'm going to have to check that out. That yeah. sounds real, especially with the with Shatner being in it. That's Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want to see Shatner riding around in the car with a bunch of clan members, uh, uh, th- th- this film is your chance. Yeah. yeah no. Well, I, I, I think this, this segment... Um, of unsolved mysteries much like this movie you're discussing is is that it's sort of like change happens in fits and starts right right and um uh, you know tragically uh, a law enforcement officer um lost his life for no other reason than being the wrong color in the wrong place yeah in this story but you know it i i think the interview with the sheriff shows this very sort of nuanced view Mm-hmm. of um the you know he's he would in all other uh places be considered a good old boy but he he made some steps in what he thought was a progressive direction right, uh, right. for his department and uh, but also his language is just really cringy so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh well, you know um well, well like you say things happen in fits and starts like yeah. i mean if if Abraham Lincoln was transported to any one of our Thanksgiving dinners, I'm sure he would say things that would all kind of make us cringe. But, yeah, but, I feel like that has to be absolutely correct. Yeah, yeah. But but the thing is, is you you know, if you look at the like 1860s context, I mean, yeah. obviously he is a you know like uh, uh, a real force for uh, progress. So yeah, yeah, like like you say, yeah. it's it's fits and starts and. Um, yeah, check out the intruder, the scene where like after the, the car attack and the guy comes home mm-hmm. and he's talking with his wife and, you know, he's trying to like figure out cause he's feeling so conflicted. He doesn't understand like what, it, you know, his stuff and like, uh, um, you know, he asks her, he asks his wife, like, well, what do you think about the school desegregation? And she's like, you know, I, I oppose it, of course, and and he asks, you know, in this like way where you're sort of stumbling to expand your horizons, he 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 bothers to ask like, why, you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. yeah, um, but yeah, the, like uh, this segment, unfortunately, we do not get uh, the killers are not brought to justice, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I guess maybe the the lead. Uh, the, the 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 one positive takeaway is that they they did not get to accomplish what they were trying to do so Good. no yeah. not that time hey robbie guess what what next segment is a Simon. introduced to the SciMed segment. <laughs> Robert Stack is in some kind of park. Uh, there's people with dogs running around <laughs> behind him. He is holding the cutest, fluffiest, like, yellow lab puppy you've ever seen Aww. in your entire life. It is... I was screaming when I was watching this. I was so excited. It is the cutest dog i'm gonna have to take a screen cap and put it all over our social media it's it's just absolutely precious yeah do you think it was his own personal dog or was it like a production dog they brought i think it's a i think it's a production dog and i'll and i'll tell you why 
when we get further into the segment. Okay. Why I think it's a stunt dog okay. and not his dog. Uh, so he's he's basically like, dogs are good, right? Look at this dog. We like dogs. People like dogs. Um, sometimes animals have a sixth sense, which um, seems to be the case when we uh, get into the segment. So there's a young woman, Victoria Doroshenko, who is, uh, as a teenager, in a very terrible car accident, which left her with, with a concussion. And um, as a result of this con- concussion, uh, she develops um, really terrible seizures. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost constant. She describes that their worst. She was having um, up to 24 big seizures a day and a bunch of little ones in between. Just really violent. She wasn't really able to uh, leave the house, let alone sit in a chair without being strapped into it. Uh, you know, she's she's having a real rough time. And uh, I I don't know much about being epileptic, but this seems like a pretty extreme case. I don't, uh, I don't know. Yeah. 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 I'll say yes. Well, well, poor Victoria, uh, you know, she's just kind of getting to the end of a rope. She's not having much of a quality of life. Um, she can't really do anything. And through some series of events, she gets hooked up with this program that's being, uh, run out of a prison in near Tacoma, Washington. And what, they have going on at this prison and they have inmates training uh, dogs to help people with disabilities. Um, you know, folks that might need some help, you know, opening a door or bringing the telephone receiver to them. Uh, just, just folks that could use um, helper dogs. I don't, I don't really know. They're not guide dogs. No, they're, they're not. Dogs. It's, it's a sort of, uh, I, I guess, uh, they're, they're, they're kind of they're, they're a helper dog but it's not um, I mean you know they are yeah. a legitimate it's service it's a, ser- a service animal yeah yeah that's what a legitimate them. service animal and not just the people who try to bring their do- their own personal dogs everywhere and claim to be no a it's not animal. yeah 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 no these are like highly trained dogs that are um, there to help people with disabilities mm-hmm. anyway so Victoria gets hooked up with this program she goes to whatever the center is where they, the inmates are t- training the dog. You know, and I also want to say one thing that's not really explored in this segment that I thought was neat. It's like, mm, are the dogs saving... Wait, are the... Hold on. Are the prisoners saving the dogs or are the dogs saving them? Ooh, profound philosophical thought. Have you ever heard people say say that annoying shit? <laughs> where, they're, where they're like, mm, I got a rescue dog, but really they rescued me. It's like, well, okay. I mean, I love my dog too, but uh, okay. Anyway, so. <laughs> Sorry for being a little cynical. Uh, any rate. That's so your Victoria, job on this podcast. That's, that's what all the emails and tweets and Facebook messages we get say. It, my job on this podcast is to be the the uh, physical embodiment of a eye roll. <laughs> <laughs> Precisely. Sorry. So Victoria Continue. Victoria goes to this program, and um, she's introduced to a dog that's sort of intended for her. It's a really nice golden retriever. Uh, I, I don't remember what this golden retriever's name is. It doesn't matter because while Victoria is at the facility. She, she, of course, has a seizure. And this dog that was intended for her just walks away. Can't be bothered. Doesn't yeah. care. 
Okay. He sucks at his job. This dog sucks. I mean, he's still a good boy, but like he sucks. So this dog's like totally uninterested. Okay. So another time Victoria's there, um, she has a seizure and this other dog named Harley comes and puts his, puts his paw on her. Very concerned, stays with her until it's over. And Victoria's like, yeah, this is, this is my dog. This is the dog for me. It's such a good boy. And they in the reenactment, they have the dog. Um, you know, they show someone having a seizure and presumably Victoria and, and the dog comes and lays down. It's just really sweet. And and the trainer slash inmate is like, you know, testifying to the this dog, like knew exactly what to do. So Victoria takes Harley home. And, um, you know, as a result, or at least in timing with having this dog, she's having fewer and fewer seizures. She's feeling less depressed. She's able to leave her home with Harley. Uh, she's back to being social again. You know, she's getting her quality of life back for sure. Um, the SciMed portion of this seems to be that the dog, at least on one occasion, started barking really adamantly um, at at Victoria when she was out in public somewhere and she had to go sit down and the the dog was apparently warning her she needed to be in a safe place because she was about to have a seizure. Mm-hmm. And so apparently this really chill dog gets really fired up, uh, you know, any time 15 to 45 minutes before Vic- Victoria has a seizure. So she knows to go be in a safe place um, and the dog's letting her know. Yeah. Uh, Here's the thing. I believe dogs are actually, um, a lot of service animals are trained now to be with uh, people with epilepsy for this reason. Because they do, they are able to pick up on this or at least, you know, warn their owners. And I don't know if it has anything, they, this Unsolved Mysteries doesn't get into the actual science or med of this. (laughs) They're just saying dogs be, dogs be good, right? And I'm not going to argue with that. Good boys. I would assume that there's probably something, at least in, there's a change in the way that their person smells or something like that, mm. um, that alerts the dog to something's about to happen. I, I mean, I would assume there's some science behind it. I didn't look it up, TBH, but they, I, I do believe that there's a lot of service animals now that are trying to be with people with epilepsy. And there's plenty of other stories too of uh, dogs who have like known when their, their owner was about to have a heart attack. Yeah, I feel like dogs pick up on stuff involving human beings better than I do. I think most dogs (laughs) (laughs) understand people better than I do, too. Yeah. For sure. I Um, I think maybe from now on I should just have a dog, like, fill out all my job applications, make my resume, (laughs) fill out my dating profile. Uh, Maybe instead of actually going in for job interviews or on dates, I should just send a dog in my place. If you send a dog in your place on dates, uh, man, I'm going to be losing dogs because they're going to want to keep the dogs, right? (laughs) No, I'm just saying, like, that's uh, I don't know that there's anything bigger chick magnet than a guy with a dog. Oh, I know. I mean, that's that's game over. For I, most ladies, I think. Unless she's a cat lady. Which, I, yeah, I have a, two cats. That's a whole... Yeah. I've never dated a guy with a dog. Oh, Ever. that's interesting. They've all been cat guys. Well, maybe it's because you have, you have a dog. Yeah, but this is even before I had a dog. 
Uh, it's been all cat guys. I don't know what's up with that. Maybe it's like, you know, a dog person and a cat person complement each other in certain ways. That Yeah, maybe. Like, like, well, it, it hasn't worked out up until now. Well, so. Yeah, I guess that's, and I, <laughs> I guess that's and the I, point. <laughs> and I think it's because in our household there is some definitive favoritism towards the dog from both myself and my boyfriend. Oh. Um, poor cat's been left out in the cold lately and um, as a result has been revenge shitting on the rug. Moving on. Oh wow. Yeah, it's a real it's a real scene over here with the dog and the cat. Um but back to the segment. Uh you know, I was watching this and I was thinking, why are they ref- why is Victoria referring to Harley in the past tense? Oh no. Oh, oh no. no, yeah. I and, caught on that too. Yeah, yeah, it was a bummer. Poor Harley uh, in 1990 got really ill and a couple months later passed away. Um, but R.I.P. Harley, he was a real good boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I hope I hope Victoria was able to find another service dog to um, suit uh, her her specific needs. I'm so here's why here's why I think it was a stunt dog in the beginning. Okay. Of this uh, segment, because we get to the end of it. Remember, I said he had a real, real cute pup. Mm-hmm. We get to the end of the segment. Snacks. He's holding a full-grown yellow lab. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Is this one of those dogs that just ages really quickly? So, I don't know what happened to the puppy, but by the end of it, he's got. Well, you see all those people in the distance with dogs. Do you think he was just yeah. like he just went over there and would just grab a dog? It's like he commandeered the dog. I need this for a few minutes. I'll be right back. Yeah. yeah. And the dog is like, I mean, you know, he senses stack, so he's not even gonna like put up a fight because you gotta, no. you can't, you, you know, can't stand against stack. That's that's the rule of uh, television hosting is you can commandeer any dog. Right. So that's that segment. I, I again, I don't really know what the the mystery was here because we know that dogs are good. This is a this is a verified fact, um, and a lot of studies, at least I don't know, maybe they weren't doing them in the '80s, but a lot of studies have proven that dogs can actually pick up on when something's about to happen to their owner. Yeah, it seems like slime meds so. segments. They don't really pose a question. They just say like something strange. It's, yeah, it's more like, huh? How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have one last segment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a guy who looks like my Uncle Mike who's robbing <laughs> banks. Oh, awesome. Uh, so it's a wanted segment, and uh, there's a dude who's been, I don't know, going in and out of banks in the South and holding people up at gunpoint. Were they, was it the pretty... South? I thought it was the Pacific Northwest. No, I... Th- wait. Hold on. I think he lives in the... They think he lives in the Pacific North. Wait a minute. No, the banks were in Spokane. My takeaway from the segment is they believe the bank robber lives somewhere else but visits the Pacific Northwest. Right, right. To yes. rob banks. Yes. Is that right? I, believe, I don't know why I thought it was the South. Yeah, I'm sorry, I, th- I, th- that was I think the literal that's opposite what, of the Pacific Northwest. That's what's jamming you up here. Sorry. Um, so he's, he's robbing banks at gunpoint. He in the reenactment shows the teller that he's got some kind of police scanner. So if they call the cops, he's going to know. Um, so he hits up a few banks and his MO is that he has uh, the tellers and such. He hauls everybody into the vault. So he doesn't want the cash out of the drawers. He wants the cash out of the vault. Um, 
at least in the main reenact the main scene that they reenact, he gets away with like a hundred thousand dollars, which is uh, pretty significant. That's uh, that that's a that's a big haul. Yeah, that is a big haul. Um, he robs. I didn't get the details, and it doesn't really matter. But the point is, he robs several other banks. I think the last one he gets to is in 1990. Um, they're finally able to get a uh, a beat on this guy because a security cam gets some footage of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess this is in a time before. Yeah, I get. I was at first. I was perplexed because they're like, unfortunately, he got away without them getting a picture of him. And it's like because I'm accustomed to nowadays. You 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 kind of just yeah. expect you walk into a bank, you're being recorded from the moment you walk in. To yeah, uh, one of the banks he robbed, they had some dye pack that exploded um, on his way out of the bank. So he ditched the cash and uh, drove away. Um, there was one something. There was something really clever where, at one of the banks, there was there was a little device in the cash drawer mm-hmm. that, if there was like a one dollar bill, at least in the reenactment, if the bill was pulled from under that device in the cash drawer, so it was very discreet, uh, it would activate a call to the police or something. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Yeah, I believe that is precisely what it was. Yeah, so that was cool, I thought. Instead of someone pressing alarm, it, it was just a very discreet way to pull the cash out. And they interview the tellers that were at this credit union. Um, both of them are wearing awful blue eyeshadow. I felt the need to mention that. <laughs> Their makeup was not up to your standards, eh? Well, it's not even that. It's just it's just too much. It's like all the way, It's like blue eyeshadow all the way up to their eyebrows. Oh. Okay. You know, and I don't know if that's a sartorial choice that they made or that Unsolved Mysteries made, but. Jeez. Anyway, uh, so yeah, they get a video of this guy, and uh, no update. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> so I guess he got away with it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he got away with it. What, what was this total haul like? Uh, from all the banks, he got what, nearly half a million mm-hmm. dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Worked out well for him. He's yep. well. I mean, it's not surprising because he's depicted as being super competent in this segment. He is. He's yeah. like the. He's the antithesis of fumbles. Yeah, he's absolutely well. Fumbles got caught. Yeah, fumbles got caught, and re- really, and this guy, like, I totally, you know, uh, when when he came in and he told you to do something, like all those bank employees were going to do what he said because he just had mm-hmm. that that authoritative menace. Whereas I kind of feel like with fumbles or like any situation where someone's robbing, uh, if I'm like involved in a bank robbery and the person robbing the place, if they drop their gun more than two times, it sort of is going to make it difficult for me to take them seriously. Mm-hmm. Like if they drop it once, uh, you know, accidents happen with anyone. I'm still going to be really terrified. But if they drop it twice, I'm like, this is starting to bridge into sitcom territory. Here. <laughs> well, I was sort of disappointed Unsolved Mysteries or the FBI didn't give this guy a nickname. He's just a bank robber. Right, right. Well, that, that's the thing is I'm so glad that you, you said he looks like what, your Uncle Mike. Yeah. Yeah, because so he sort of looks like my Uncle Mike. Okay. S- kind of. 
Um, but the reenactor that they got certainly looked a lot like the dude in the photo. I mean, they got that dead on. <laughs> what if the reenactor was the dude in the photo? <laughs> he decided the best way to like throw the law off his tracks was to 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 actually be involved with the uh, with the re- reenactment. I mean, you you hear stories when criminals try to do stuff to like. You know, to, in order to throw suspicion off themselves, they do things that seem suspicious or, or would draw attention to themselves in the mm-hmm. hopes that it would make it, you know, pe- people would, would, would just, you know, be like, well, obviously he didn't do it. Why would anyone do that? I don't know. This guy needs a nickname like the Mustache Bandit or... The Sunglasses Bandit? Or Uncle Mike. Uncle Mike. Uncle Mike, uh, next 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 family union. <laughs> Uncle Mike, can you put these sunglasses on? Okay. Mm. Uh, it doesn't really look like my Uncle Mike. It's just the close sort of. the closest analogy you can make. Yeah. Uh, um. Hey. Hey, Robbie. Uh, that's the end of the episode. It is. So listen, Rumpers. I have yet to receive any shitty small town stories yeah we asked for those (laughs) yeah we asked for those in the last episode i would like to hear hear them please i will i will read them maybe robbie will we'll see we'll see what happens but please send us your uh i just i want i want real yokel stuff and uh if that comes down to you sending me or sending me your uh what do you call them the Sheriff Blotter yes, from your local from small local town paper. newspaper. And if I have to read that, I will. Also, I have something to say. If you live yes. in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. and apologies if I did not pronounce that correctly, please check all the browsers on your computer because I suspect you might have our SoundCloud page opened up and your computer is just running through the episodes again and again. Mm-hmm. Because we have a inordinate amount of listens for the, a town of that size. Mm. I mean, I know that we, we probably, you know, obviously we're going to have clusters of rumpers. But I, I, yeah. I hardly, be, it's difficult for me to believe that a medium-sized uh, uh, municipality in Wisconsin has... 10 times the number of listeners as New York City. Um, are you telling people to stop listening to our podcast? Well, I mean, I, 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 no, no, it's just, I mean, I mean, I guess, well, I mean, I guess there's not any reason for us to not have those stats, but it's just kind of deceptive if it's like, yeah. If it's just someone who's just walked away from their computer and their computer's just listening constantly to the Do you think do you think maybe they passed away or they they fainted and we need to send a wellness check? <laughs> that might be. To Eau Claire, Wisconsin. <laughs> if um <laughs> Yeah, if, so if you're from that town, please tell us what's going on and Yeah, what's going on, Eau Claire? Yeah. Uh, send us your shitty small town stories. Hey, and we're at reenactedpod at gmail.com. Uh, as I well as Facebook. Twitter. We got a yeah, Facebook. Uh, check out Reenacted Fans, uh, made by our um, uh, fan, uh, Alyssa. It's way better mm-hmm. than the official Rump uh, uh, Facebook page I made mm-hmm. that, that is not um, anywhere near as interactive. Uh, go to iTunes, give us five stars and review. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, we ha- we still have the Patreon, and thank you to those who have 
become uh, rumpers officially. We we heart you so much and for helping us uh, keep up with the cost of making this thing. And none of them canceled after our, our first. No, they did uh, not. Uh, after our recent rewards episode so that is (laughs) loyalty yeah Yeah. thank you so much and also thanks to connor from new york city new york city uh for for producing this thing he's the one that has to now edit all the ands ums long silences and bathroom breaks out i no longer have to do that so he had a special message too Uh, during your bathroom break (laughs) (laughs) uh robbie do you want to do the thing For every mystery, there is someone somewhere who knows the truth. Perhaps that someone is watching. Perhaps it's you.